Welcome to today's podcast. I am really excited to share today's content with you. We're going to dive into the topic of having a leadership mindset. When you think about mindset, it shapes the way that we think about how we lead. And how important is that on a daily basis as leaders that we're mindful in the way that we lead other people? David, when I think about mindset, it seems like a really broad topic. Oh, how can we simplify mindset? Thanks, Sam. I'll, I'll tell you, for me, I'm very simple-minded and I, I love acronyms. But when you, when you dive into the idea of mindset as a leader, we're going to actually use the acronym today, HEART. HEART is this idea, do you as a leader genuinely have a heart to serve? Which will be another podcast of topic we'll cover at a later date. But do you also have a heart to care? We've talked about care in a previous podcast, this idea of creating remarkable experiences and anticipating the needs of others, responsible relationships and empathy. But the idea of heart is, can we think in such a way that our leadership can have a positive impact on those that are around us? That's great, David. So how do we as leaders use heart? So let's, let's just dive into the actual acronym today. And so H in the word heart is this idea of hunger for wisdom, hunger for wisdom. And I love the word hunger. You know, as we sit in this podcast, I'm actually pretty hungry. I, I missed lunch today with this exciting opportunity, but hunger says, Hey, I've got something inside of me that's going to drive a behavior. We think about wisdom. Wisdom is the discernment of how to apply knowledge. The wisdom is the discernment on how you apply knowledge, which means as a leader, Am I actually growing in knowledge? Like, How are you growing yourself as a leader intentionally? Within your organization, I'm not talking about what your boss asked you to read or if you're in college, the courses that you're taking at the university. But what are you genuinely pursuing to make you a sharp leader? Like, What are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you digesting? Because what we put in us actually helps to shape who we are and how we think. So this first step in having a strong leadership mindset is, do you genuinely have this idea of a hunger for wisdom? One of the things I was challenged as a young leader is this idea, do I have a lifelong learner's mentality? As we sit here today recording this podcast, literally I have consumed more books and podcasts and, and TED Talks in the first six weeks, eight weeks of this year than I did all of last year, understanding that I can only get better as I grow as a leader. And I can only lead at the next level as I grow in this idea. So am I a lifelong learner? But the second phase of this, Sam, is really hard for some young leaders is the question of this. Do I have a teachable spirit? Am I actually willing to learn? Am I willing to take coaching from those who have maybe figured some things out that I don't have figured out? You know, as a leader, I'm a little older in my leadership journey than some of those of you in our audience today. But one thing I've learned is I need mentors. I need people to continue to pour into me to help me shape my thinking as a leader. So the H, Sam, is this idea, do I hunger for wisdom? I love that word hunger because it's it's something that never ends. You're hungry today, you're hungry tomorrow, and and it's it's never satisfied. One of the things I hear from young leaders all the time is, man, I just don't, I don't have time. I'm so busy, you know, there's no time for reading or man, I just, I can't study books or I hate podcasts or the kind of the list goes on. So what would you say to the young leader who's, who's eager to grow, but is kind of running into some of those common roadblocks? Well, not to make it so simple, but to your point, I'm hungry today. I'll be hungry tomorrow. If you truly have that hunger, if you will, you will satisfy that hunger. 
And so it goes back to you as a leader, your identity. Do you really want to be known as a leader that is growing? Do you really want to have a significant impact on the generations coming behind you and the people that you lead every day? Otherwise, you'll just make excuses. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. Otherwise, there's just an excuse. And I think excuses uh, are those crutches that we lean upon to give ourselves a pass on doing the hard things. So I love the idea that we are hungry, but how do we continue to grow as leaders? We have to be very diligent and intentional in developing ourselves and pouring into ourselves. That's great. Thank you, David. So where does the E take us? Yeah, E is this idea of expecting the best. And boy, Sam, if I could really harp on one real fast, it's going to be this guy right here, expecting the best. I see this in this generation coming up. And one thing I do recognize is we got multiple generations of leaders out there. I'm a big proponent of Dr. Tim Elmore. He writes some fantastic content around recognizing generations, leveraging diversity in generations. But here's what I'm seeing is that people come in with this idea of, oh, man, it's going to be terrible today. We don't expect the best. We actually expect the worst and hope for the best. And boy, that's a terrible position to be in as a leader. You know, they say the idea of this, that ships in the harbor, all the ships in the harbor rises as the tide rises. Well, it's the same thing in our leadership journey. As your leadership rises, so does everybody else around you. So expecting the best, I like to put it this way. Are you a leader that has optimism? Do you have an optimistic spirit? The, we can do this. Hey, Absolutely, we're going to get through this together. In our line of work at Chick-fil-A here, we see this often with our shift leads. They come in and we've had two or three or four or five people that have called out sick. And we're going to have to operate that shift with a shorthanded mentality. But as a leader, if we shift our mindset around this idea of expecting the best, is we embrace the reality of what's going on. But then we interject positive thoughts into what we're doing and say, how can we pull together and make the best of this situation? Instead of saying, we're going to just barely make it tonight, is, hey, we're going to pull together. And not only is tonight going to be great, as your leader, how can I serve you to make sure that your area operates properly? What can I do as a leader in this business to ensure that things can run as smooth as they can, given the realities? What I don't want to project here, Sam, is this idea of false sense of hope, like, you know, oh, it's roses and it's unicorns and it's this, that, and the other. No, we have to embrace the reality of what things are. But amidst that, it's our mindset that allows us to think differently about the current situation we're in and actually push through for a better outcome. That's great. One of the things I was thinking through um, is it's this is really timely in just the season of life that we're in as a whole. And as we kind of emerge from this pandemic and, and everyone tries to find the new norm, a lot of people are struggling with that sense of positivity and expecting the best of hard situations. For someone who particularly finds this this part of heart hard, what's a word of encouragement you would give them to kind of hold on to in those moments of, of real challenge and real difficulty? Yes, Sam, I love that because the reality is our personalities typically dictate our perception. And so kind of how you're hardwired, your DNA, sometimes people just have more of that pessimistic, you know, glass half full outlook. But if we tie things back to the identity of the leader and say, how do I want to be remembered as a leader? It goes to this idea of I can actually discipline myself to control what I say. Sometimes you have to actually convince yourself of what you believe by what you say, because words carry weight. A lot of times in leadership, we just kind of say the first thing that comes to mind. And if we're going to really portray this optimistic spirit, this expecting the best, 
let me challenge you as a leader to at least control what you say. And if your face speaks like mine does, like step away. If you need to get away from the moment just to make sure that you don't send the wrong message or say the wrong thing, take that necessary pause as a leader, come back, regroup, and then project this because it is a shift in our mindset. That's great. And practice makes perfect. A lot of times as leaders, maybe you might not be the most optimistic leader now, but you can expect the best by applying discipline in the future. So where do we go from here? How does how does the A apply? Absolutely, Sam. And this idea of A is accepting responsibility. And boy, is this another doozy in the generation that we live today. You know, we live in a society today where it's all about me. You know, what's in it for me? And I'll do that for you if you'll do for me. I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. What I love about this idea of accepting responsibility, it shifts the way we think. So it's like this. Things aren't going really well in the business. Maybe we're having challenges on a shift. Maybe the leaders are struggling with certain things. Accepting responsibility says, hey, I understand that things aren't going great and I take full responsibility. Accepting responsibility is this idea of, do I have an ownership mindset? So if expect the best is optimism, then accepting responsibility is actually ownership. So will I be willing as a leader to own the outcomes? The hard thing is we live in a society where people want to be perceived in such a way that they're perfect. Nothing ever goes wrong, you know, or if something does go wrong, it looks like this. Well, I told them not to schedule so-and-so on my shift always goes wrong. Or every time I walk in, it's always like this. And, you know, I, it's not my fault. We can't get things to work around here. That's not accepting responsibility. So we're willing to own the outcomes, good or bad. But then the second part of that, Sam, is this idea, are we willing to share credit? Are we willing to give away credit? So when things are going fantastic, we celebrate those that are around us, celebrate the team, really stand back and applaud the efforts of those who really gave it all. And so this idea of accepting responsibility is that twofold. Things don't go great. Hey, that's on me, team. Things went fantastic. Great job, team. That's the transition in the way we think around leading teams. What if it's not my fault, though? What if I have a leader? What if mistakes were done that were beyond my realm of of control? Why is in those moments accepting responsibility so critical? That's a great question, Sam. And I think many of our listeners are probably facing that same question. Here's what happens. When we own the outcomes or we take responsibility, what we ultimately do in that moment is that we build trust. When we build trust with those we lead, even if things aren't going great, I've had this happen in my own life. Owning a business, I get the phone calls. I get the, hey, I came through your restaurant and your so-and-so did such and such and it went terrible and I didn't. I was not pleased with the outcome. As a business owner, I have a, an opportunity here to say, well, I wasn't even in the country when that happened. Or I can say, you know what? That is totally my fault. I take responsibility for that not going well. Let me fix that for you. I will personally see to it that we address that issue. Now, which one do you think the guest is more likely to respond to? It builds trust when we own outcomes. And mature leaders understand, hey, I may not have necessarily been there, or I may not necessarily have been my fault, but with an ownership mindset, it's, hey, the outcome is still my responsibility. Accepting responsibility comes down to a matter of, of character. And then I, I love what you said, and, and I wanted to emphasize it because I thought it was so important. It's a matter of credibility with the team that you're leading and with the people you're engaging with. 
So, but we'll keep rolling. Where, where does art lead us? Yes, Sam. So R is this idea of responding with courage, responding with courage. And a nice way of tying this together, I like taking the accept responsibility and respond with courage and time this way. It's the idea of following through with commitments versus when something is convenient. So think about this. Somebody has a responsibility or something they're supposed to take care of, and they agree, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm all about this. But the reality is something better comes along or an opportunity with their friends comes up and that becomes more convenient. You know, as a leader, if we're accepting responsibility, we're going to actually follow through the commitments we made, even when it's not convenient. That's also another way of highlighting responding with courage. Do the right thing, even when it's hard. A lot of times in younger leaders, we find this, that it's hard for them to stand up for they know is right because they'd rather be popular and liked than to be respected. And to me, this is a critical point of this mindset shift because as leaders, it's more important for you to be respected as a leader than necessarily to be liked. I know growing up, I, I grew up in a, in a great home, great family, very well loved. Grandparents, parents loved me well. Uh, I didn't always love my parents or so I thought. It was just tough love sometimes and they were really hard and they were very strict and had very strong guidelines in my home. But here's one thing I'll tell you. My dad may have been hard at times, but I respected him. I look back now and the person I am today is definitely shaped by the way I was raised. Same thing in leadership. You think about this idea. Courage is really where we get the Latin root word heart from. That's why I love it. So courage is heart. So really, at the end of the day, if you truly have courage, you truly have heart, like stand up for what's right, even when it's not popular. Like don't be so focused on being the popular person in an environment. Push for the things that are right People know that you stand on principle over popularity. That actually goes a long way in shifting the way we think as a leader and actually how we're remembered as a leader. One of the uh, one of the principles you spoke to is we need to be respected as opposed to liked as leaders. But I think that's something that we really, really struggle with fundamentally as people. So I would love to hear a little bit more why is that so fundamentally important, especially for, for younger leaders? Yes, Sam. So we live in a society today that's actually driven by social media. We, we know this, you know, whether that's TikTok or Snapchat or whatever the platforms out there, everybody's after that keyword likes, right? We want to be liked. We, we actually superficially determine who we are based on the number of likes we have in our life. And I would love for leaders to understand that who you are and how you're created and the purpose that was given to you far exceeds whatever goes on on a social platform. But that said, oftentimes we tie our worth up into the way we're perceived by others. And the perception goes down to, am I liked or am I not liked? Am I popular or am I not popular? And those things drive us to behaviors that maybe don't really clearly define who we are and sometimes maybe violate the very principles of who we say we are. But when you're respected, that means you stand on principle and you don't waver. And a leader that understands principle and core values and those drive their behaviors, that actually speaks to the person and the identity of that leader. And again, we're talking about a mindset shift. This really drives this. When you have the courage to stand for what's right, when you're principle over the idea of being popular, when you're respected and not focused on being liked, you actually develop that muscle. And all young leaders are in this developmental process anyway. They're, they're practicing who they're going to be in adulthood. And if you're in adulthood, you're practicing who you're going to be in later in life. 
Everything we do is a rehearsal to becoming who we are in the future. So that's why this is so important. That's great. And really what this boils down to is a matter of defining your priorities correctly. Um, when you're focused on, am I liked or am I loved? It's because your priorities are in the wrong or in the wrong arena. And it's up to us as leaders to actually align our priorities with significance and with our purpose. Um, so where does the T take us? Yes, Sam. So much like we talked about in the care acronym with the word empathy kind of being the bow that ties everything up, the T is think others first. And this to me is really the the gasoline in the engine, if you will. It's the, it's the driver that actually pulls us to performance. When you think others first, it means that my needs, my wants, my likes, my desires are superseded by the opportunity to influence others based upon who I am. We think others first is what we call servant leadership. Do I actually have the heart to want to serve other people? You know, the idea of being a servant leader actually takes its roots in a biblical principle we get from the disciples having their feet washed at the Last Supper. If you're not familiar with the story, it's a biblical story and where Jesus is at this meal called the Last Supper. And uh, it's a fantastic part of their tradition there. And as a part of the meal, He gets up from the table, takes off his clothing, his outer garment, and he uses it, and he starts to wash the disciples' feet, which in that culture was a big no-no. But It was a sign of humility. It was a sign of priority. It was a sign of saying, hey, you are really important. That was not his place at the table, but to demonstrate the behavior of what servant looked like, he bent down on one knee and actually postured himself below those people he was washing their feet. The unique part of that story, there are 12 disciples— And one of the 12 that was at the table was a man by the name of Judas. And Judas actually went on to become the person who betrayed Jesus and ultimately had him killed. Why do you share that, David? I'm glad you asked. Because the power of that in the story was we don't always get the opportunity as a leader to choose whom we serve. We just serve intentionally everybody that's in our path. It's been very easy at that table to skip over Judas knowing, hey, you're about to betray me. Go ahead and do your deal. No, Instead, he chose to wash his feet. Well, I know that story kind of drives home a point, but the idea of thinking others first is rooted in the idea of serving other people intentionally. So the idea of servant leadership, we actually have a a quote that we use as leaders, and I'd love to kind of share that with the group here, Sam, what servant leadership boils down to. So our definition of servant leadership is someone who focuses on the growth and the well-being of the people and the culture of an organization, Someone that focuses on the growth. So that's, hey, are you getting better? Are you growing as a leader? Hey, am I providing you the resources? Are we talking through the things that can help you become a better version of who you are? That's our responsibility. But I love the word well-being. Hey, how are you personally? What's going on in your life? How can I help you? Hey, are there things I can come alongside of you and encourage you with? Being aware of the people that we lead, some of them have hard days. Put your arm around somebody and say, hey, man, I've been thinking about you. Hey, you haven't been yourself. That's the well-being side of that. And so that's the people, but then also culture, which we'll dive into culture in a later podcast. But really, the culture is the sum of all the behaviors going on in your organization. Like, do you have good soil in your business? Uh, when people come to work, is the environment conducive for their growth and their well-being? And so as leaders, if we're servant leaders, we're intentionally looking at that. And I know we've taken an extra minute here as we talked about servant leadership, but I'm telling you, servant leadership is the greatest catalyst to actually spreading your influence as a leader, leaving a lasting impact on those around us, 
and actually teaching the behaviors in a modeling way what we expect from this next generation. Thank you, David. And you summarized Think Others First so well. I would really love to to hear how do we recap all of this? You know, we, we've been kind of at this for about 20 minutes now and, and we've dissected these different points. How do I as a leader take heart and apply it every single day? Great, Sam. So we know that heart is a mindset, leadership, think process, if you will. And it's, it's helped defining the way we look at things. And so my challenge to young leaders, especially, is how do you have heart? Which one of those five attributes do you feel like you can dial in on? So here's the thing. You can't necessarily take all five of them, but you should know yourself well enough to go, hey, I'm really struggling in this one area. Well, what can you do to get better at it? You know, who can you engage in your life to maybe be a coach or somebody that can help walk with you to get better? You know, your your idea of heart, I love this thing. It's the idea if your heart's not right, nobody really cares about your skills. Like, you got to get your heart right. Like, do people really pick up on that? So the challenge for a young leader is what one or two attributes can I use to get better? And then who can I bring along to create an accountability in my life to help make sure that that's happening intentionally? So as we recap today, it's heart, it's hunger for wisdom, it's expect the best, it's accept responsibility, respond with courage. The big catalyst there is think others first. Can you be a servant? leader.